Welcome to the 2017 NSH Poster Podcast Series. My name is Gail Callis, and I'm a member of NSH, a regular presenter at the NSH Annual Symposium Convention, and currently serve as editor for the Journal of Histotechnology. Last year, NSH launched its first poster podcast series, bringing outstanding research and science from the exhibit hall to a larger audience. We are thrilled to bring this popular series back and know you will enjoy listening to the poster presenters learn something new and share their information with others. New episodes will be released each week from November through December. Thanks for listening and science on by presenting a poster with a podcast next year. Hi, this is Monty Hyten. I'm sitting with Tim Carpishan talking about his poster, A Simple Method for Dramatic Reduction of Tissue Autofluorescence. So, Tim, how would you, how often have you presented posters? Is this your first? Have you done many? This is the first poster I've presented on this topic. I'm a chemist by training, and so I've been to many chemistry conferences, but this is my first time to NSH. Great. And I've been working at Vector for about 10 years, and so this is my first time to come to this meeting. Wonderful. But I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about this new product that deals with issues that people have with autofluorescence when they're doing immunofluorescence assays. So why is this topic important? Why was it important for you to do this uh, research project? Well, my research director approached me about a year and a half ago about autofluorescence and the problems with autofluorescence. And so I didn't know much about it. I didn't know what the issues were in that field. And so mainly I was familiar with IHC and immunofluorescence, and I hadn't really heard that people dealt with autofluorescence problems as essentially a general background Mm -hmm. problem. And so I started looking into it, and I was wondering maybe there's a chemistry solution because, you know, people have been dealing with this for at least 30 years. Sure. There might be a new solution that I could come up with from a real chemistry standpoint, and so I, I really thought it was a good challenge for me. Um, so I looked into what had been published. There's a lot of papers for me to read. And so I looked at what was, had been done and the results, and there was a lot for, to go by. But I really figured there had to be a new approach because I'm sure there hadn't been a lot of real hardcore chemistry approaches taken. Probably. A lot of people who are doing this field are going to be biologists, <laughs> biochemists. Sure. And so they're not going to have the vast um, sort of repertoire of chemistry applications that I would have. And so I thought that was a pretty, my research director gave me that sort of challenge and I said, okay, I'm going to jump into it. So there was a lot of work that we spent trying to find something that didn't harm the tissue um, from a structural point of view, but actually did bind to it and lowered the background fluorescence. That was the first step. So we, we ended up with a few candidates. Then we had to iron it out so that it didn't lower the specific signal too much. So this new product that we're coming out with in a few months is called TrueView, and we think it's pretty revolutionary because it lowers the background dramatically, and it only lowers your signal somewhat. Mm. So your overall overall signal to noise is is much more improved in really difficult tissues where autofluorescence can be a problem, and mostly it's fixed tissue. Sure, absolutely. And that's what we deal with most of the time. Yeah. Um, so as people would were to walk up to your poster, what would you want them to see first? What's What do you think is most important on there? Well, we really wanted to show them the pictures. 
And so we have pictures on the poster of spleen, pancreas, and kidney tissue. They were all formal and fixed, mm-hmm. five micron sections. And then they, were, they had gone through the normal immunofluorescence assays with green and red um, fluorophores mm-hmm. on the secondary antibodies. And then at the very last step, we do this TrueView autofluorescence quencher or reducer. And it's a very straightforward aqueous solution. It only takes a few minutes. It's on the very end, just before you mount with your um, cover slip. And so we can show with those images the before and after. Yeah, they're and very that's, pretty. That's basically it. We want to say, this is what it would have looked like if you hadn't done it. Sure. And in the cases of the spleen, it was really dramatic. That w- it was basically unusable. And you, yet with this product, you could get the signal that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think, so from my standpoint, like I said, with the challenge that we had of going into this from a new standpoint, having those pictures should be able to show somebody who's familiar with this field that you can do something fairly easily and you know revolutionary in a sense and yeah. get the results you need improve your product at exactly. the end sure yeah. yeah so did you find anything unusual surprising while you were working on this project oh certainly i had from a chemistry standpoint i had a lot of ideas i about how to quench fluorescence in the end i, I stumbled upon one sort of by <laughs> circuitously, but the surprises were the n- number of things that I tried that increased the fluorescent background. Oh, golly. That, that was totally mind-blowing because from looking at the chemistry literature, there's a lot of research about just fluorescence quenching. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with histochemistry. Just fluorescence quenching as a sort of an area of research because it can apply to analytical chemistry mm-hmm. or biochemistry. And so there was a lot of approaches I took, you know, applying this compound or this compound that should have quenched the background fluorescence, and it increased it in many cases. Oh, my God. And I had no explanation for that. I still don't. <laughs> and so I, I, at, in the end, it was a little bit of trial and error, even mm-hmm. though there was some logic involved. But how those, some of those compounds increased the fluorescence, I've talked to some of my chemistry friends, and they're like shaking their heads, they're going, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Well, <laughs> so it's, it's That's the, our world in That's histology. the crazy thing about science and, and <laughs> tissue. Exactly. And dealing with tissue sections, it's a little bit different than doing solution-based chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. We, we, as histotechs, do uh, pull our hair out at times just because things should work, but they don't. So... Well, it's a solid support, basically, and you're doing chemistry in solution on, a, on a, whether it's detection systems or substrates, or in this case, the quencher, you're doing chemistry on a solid material. Mm-hmm. The, the tissue isn't going anywhere. So the kinetics are very odd. The, the permeability through the tissue can be changing. The ionic strength and all of that is very relevant. So it's very different than just doing aqueous chemistry. If you had a follow-up project for histology, say, what do you have any idea what that might be? Is there any other uh, projects that might be relevant to us? That's a great question. I think at this point, we've always been aiming to improve detection. And this is a, certainly a, a, uh, an attempt to do that in immunofluorescence. I think what I've been working on all along with my other research projects at Vector is to just find substrates, just chromogenic substrates Mm -hmm. that boost your signal. Um, I would hope that there would be an interest in that sort of thing. And so that's the type of thing I've been working on. But 
it's not something that's trivial because people have been working on substrates for a long time. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of where I'm thinking because I my point point of view is like I need to take my chemistry knowledge and apply it to this field, and so I think. To answer your question, I don't really have a good sense of what exciting stuff mm -hmm. we could come up with. I would be more inclined to ask people, what are the problems you're dealing with? Mm, sure. You know, and sometimes it might be as simple as your cover slip is not drying fast enough or something that there might be a simple chemical solution, material or formulation solution, something else, you know, maybe your tissue is acting like this or... You know, it would be those types of questions that I would be interested in asking people. If you're in the lab every day, what are the things that really get your goat? What yeah. are the problems? And I would be able to maybe suggest formulations of different reagents or wash solutions or whatever it is to solve your problem. That sounds great. There are a lot of people out there who might want to submit a poster and may have some hesitancy. Is there anything that you could share with those that might be considering doing a poster? I mean, did you have any downfalls or any concerns that you could help someone through? I think spending a fair amount of time getting the pictures, and most of these posters are probably going to have a lot of images, mm -hmm. and so that's kind of where we started, you know, and overall it only took a couple weeks mm -hmm. to put it all together because I had some help with the other people in the lab. But if you're thinking about it, you probably want to just be a couple months away from your deadline because those images sometimes are what are going to get you. And it's, it's, it's not that different than publishing a paper. Correct. And so if you imagine publishing a communication in some journal, you're going to, the way I always did it when I was writing chemistry papers, is you've started with the figures or the sure. tables. Uh huh. And so once you get those done, writing the text is easy. Mm-hmm because you've already got the majority of it done. So if you focus, you don't want to start writing the text until you have the figures already mapped out in your head at least. Yes. Whether it's figures or images or graphs or mm -hmm. whatever. So I would always say get those done first. Give yourself a couple months to do those. And you can write the text and fill in all the rest of it in about a week or so. Yeah. And then it's not, not a problem. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us before we end our podcast? I think it's great to see all the camaraderie among histotechnologists and NSH people. So that's for me, it's an, as a first timer, it was, it was fun to talk to a lot of people here. And so, yeah, I think it's just fun to, uh, to interact with a different crowd, different than chemists. Yeah, well, that's nice. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Histotalks. To hear more great episodes, check us out on Podbean, The Block, or iTunes, keyword Histotalks. Histotalks.